0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Danakoum Show Edge Rush. I am, let me think. Oh uh, God, it's on the tip of my Nat Coombs, he is Propo, aka Ollie Thornton, aka Producer Ollie, aka, the Unders King of Plumpton. And I tell you what, the prop king is back. Good week for you all.
1: Yeah, great week for me all around, to be honest. The only thing I got wrong was the New England Patriots bet, Mm -hmm. which is probably the most catastrophically catastrophically wrong bet I've ever got. But at the same time, when Mm -hmm. you see Josh Allen putting in one of the best playoff quarterback performances in the history of the game, you kind of have to accept defeat in that one. I mean, it was an absolutely brilliant performance by him and this Bills team. But I, I actually think that you owe me an apology. Wait a minute. I owe you an apology. You owe me an apology. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, Mm. you picked the Raiders as your Drew Luck of the Week. Yes, I did. And I said to you, "Now, I really don't see any way this Raiders team beat this Chargers team. Like from a footballing perspective, it doesn't make much sense. And you said it would be bad karma for me Mm. not to back your Drew Lock of the Week.
0: This is correct. Uh, I love the fact that you have recalled this, presumably. I mean, it was
1: two weeks ago. If I wasn't able to recall this, that would be quite worrying.
0: Well, I'm shaky on the detail. <laughs>
1: I know much like
0: our friend I and Mike, who goes back and listens religiously to his own episodes. For sure. <laughs> None of the other show. I'm sure you do the same thing with...
1: He uh... has absolutely no idea that Edros exists, I'm pretty yeah, sure. I don't think he, when we talk yeah. about it, I don't think he knows what we're talking about. No idea. When we no say idea. Drew
0: Lock of the Week, I don't think he knows what we're Oh no, no, about.
1: no clue, just yeah. smiles and nods. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I did say that. You're absolutely right, Alt. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then what did you do last week? What did I do last week? So your Drew Lock of the Week, both our Drew Locks came in, of course, yeah. which means we're now what? 13?
1: 13 and 6.
0: 13 and 6. How about them apples? Uh, we are 13 and 6 on our Drew Lock. So that that's a thrilling finale if ever i saw one uh both in i was big on the bucks the bucks to cover and uh that was pretty straightforward in the end and you took the san francisco 49ers right that was your yeah Yeah. and i i went against your drew lock of the week i i and what happened that yeah the karma came home to roost that is true but to be fair i'll to be fair in mitigation and it's it's a fair point i from here on in we do not go against each other's drew locks of the week it's bad karma but it was a complex one for me because I had the Cowboys, if you recall, and apologies listeners, because we look, we gave you two Drew Locks, Propos, Prop Bets came in. We've been on for most of the season. Uh, Ollie's Patriot suggestion, although I, I did say the Bills, so we kind of- Yeah, exactly. Everything. That's what I'm
1: saying. Yeah, we evened ourselves out.
0: Your Patriot suggestion and my legendary mythical, <laughs> mythical uh, Lions Jags <laughs> double most of the time well a lot of the time anyway we've been on point so bear that in mind when I took the Cowboys last week in Araka right so I kind of was torn off because I had to Back my conviction if I'm telling the gang, well, I want them in the acca, I've got to go with them, right? But although you did veto that pick, I
1: vetoed. Acre. I vetoed and offered an acca that, uh, yeah, did win. Came in. So feeling pretty tough about cocky, myself, feeling right? Feeling quite, quite cocky about it. Yeah, feeling doing. a little bit tough, yeah. feeling a little bit cocky <laughs> going into a week where I'm sure I'm going to. Let's up talk there. more about
0: that Bills game again, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, in which case, I think it's a fair call. This week, listeners, I'm going to hand. Uh, hand the crown back to Ole for the Acker. No, so we'll we...
1: negotiate it. We'll negotiate it. So, we'll I mean, negotiate. there's only four games. There's only, <laughs> there's, only, there's, only, there's only three out of four teams. I realistically, we'll probably work it out whilst we're going through these All games. Because right. as we always, yeah, as the listeners know, we have no idea what me and you are thinking about these games going into That's
0: this. That's true. We don't. We keep it to ourselves and save it for the show. All right. So in which case... Let's get down to business because we're going to look at all four games this week. Plus, Oli's uh, prop bets of the week, of course, are mm-hmm. Drew Locks two. And by the sound of it, an Aka by committee. All right. That's how we're going to roll. So let's start. Get out of the way. Get the worries, the jitters, the nerves, the, the emotion, the gut-wrenching torment you'll be going through out of the way and talk about your Bengals first up. So how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this matchup? Given the way the, the Raiders game went down, where... You know, you were, in many respects, uh, certainly at, at, I say at surface level, we were doing the game for radio, right? So it, more than that, you and me and Shane Vereen, of course, was who's our guest on this week's show, going and check back in the vault for for Shane at Drop Monday, um, former Patriots, Super Bowl winning running back. He was with us on live radio for the game. And all of us were saying through the game, how the hell are the Bengals not 17 plus points ahead in this game? But they couldn't. Do the job in the red zone they kept the raiders in it and of course they gave Derek carr and co a chance to uh, to square things up now they helped firm in the end but on that basis are you positive about that thinking okay it didn't break that way for you or the right way for you in terms of capitalizing on opportunities in that game but the fact you were creating them and the offense was moving pretty fluently looking at that positively you're thinking Mm, worried about the, you know, the killer punch here, and of course the Titans' defense—if uh, not altogether different proposition—the in the Raiders certainly will be a sterner test.
1: I think even the greatest quarterbacks to have ever existed have gone through bad patches in their life. We saw Patrick Mahomes earlier in the season and everyone bailing out on him almost immediately. How many times have we heard is this the end for Brady? Literally, it feels like we'll hear that three times a season for the rest of his career, which he's probably got another 20 years in.
0: I refer you to exhibit a week one season
1: and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I
0: think Rodgers will be out of Green Bay within five weeks. Exactly. Yeah, okay,
1: okay. So if anything, I'm actually taking positives out of the fact that I don't think Joe Burrow had his best game against the Raiders. We were doing the the game, and there was many a time where I was saying that is not a characteristic throw of Joe Burrow. He was missing T Higgins on slant routes and stuff that has been routine for him all season. But I think the fact that he can lead this team to a victory, the first playoff victory in 31 years, the first playoff victory in a world where there is text messages, and the fact that he can do that without playing his best ball against a decent Raiders team, which were the team of Destiny everyone was talking about, I think is a great sign for this Bengals team and a great sign going forward to know that we can do, it's always that Sir Alex Ferguson thing they always talk about where Mm. the greatest teams win when they don't play their best ball Right. and I think that was the perfect example of what we saw last week and I think everyone has fallen in love with him and I think the sky's the limit for this Bengals team for the rest of his career because of what he is able to do, because of his leadership qualities, because of the fact that every single person, including his teammates including his coaches, has faith in this guy to produce when it really matters and i am no different i believe joe burrow is the guy and i think he is going to be a top level quarterback for the rest of his career and he will lead the cincinnati bengals team to more than just playoff wins and hopefully to even a super bowl in the coming years with that all being said i this matchup against tennessee titans is not a good one for us i don't mm-hmm. think in a lot of ways i think up front they have us beat most likely on both sides of the ball i think we've got a chance to stop the run but what they're going to be able to do is they're going to set up the run with Derrick Henry and they're going to go to play action, which defensively we have struggled against massively. Mm-hmm. If Trey Hendrickson doesn't play now, it looks like he's going to. It looks he like he does, right? So direction.
0: just to clarify that he a concussion protocol, obviously, and yeah. all reports suggesting he'll be good to go, which yes. is huge. The let me ask you this: on so starting on the on the offensive side of the ball and how you match up with the Titans there because their strength. Uh, we've talked about this on the show this week i think with both shane and, and mike actually uh, as we were previewing these games and, and both shane and mike that's very much what those shows are to look ahead to to this weekend's action to get their perspective on uh some of the key matchups as well as looking back at wildcard weekend uh both agreed that the titans well this is the big narrative that's everywhere this week why are the titans so underrated how is the number one seed in the afc number five in the power rankings and yada 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 and there are a lot of reasons for that i think not least actually you've touched on it already on on the show i think a number of their games particularly when when henry went down were one ugly right they mm-hmm. were uh, but i as you attest, i think that is the mark of of a really good team that they you know they're getting it done even if they're not absolutely rolling uh, defense has been a big part of that of, of course that their defense isn't a superstar laden cowboys big name big play kind of unit a lot of unsung heroes that know what they're meant to be doing as has been suggested I think I might have made this point and uh, and I've heard it elsewhere as well although Vrabel obviously didn't coach under Belichick played under him and the mindset that he has implemented the philosophy that he has is is very much uh, of the same vein which is there's a real clarity to what he wants you to do, particularly defensively, what he wants his players to do. And they understand that and thrive in that. So it isn't a system that necessarily needs those superstar players. Kevin Bayard is, I think, the outlier there. I think he is, by all accounts, uh, an all pro level player. But again, he's not like a household name. You know, he's not a, he's not a honey badger kind of uh, name recognition. So they're, they're going under the radar for that reason. When you look at the strength in this defense, it is is in the safety? You know, in the, it, it's not complete the secondary because I think that could be something. And Joris Jenkins is uh, he's a, he's questionable for the game. They need to keep uh, you need to keep an eye on that if, if you're having action on the game. But it's Bayard and Amani Hooker. They've been very effective there in in the safety position, and therefore that makes them stronger against the pass and the run. Typically, right? That's kind of where. No. You disagree?
1: Completely disagree. I think they've allowed the second most receptions and receiving yards to wide receivers in the league this season and have allowed the second fewest rushing yards in the league behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their defensive front this season has been absolutely beast. Simmons Simmons
0: has been a beast, yeah. Simmons has been a
1: beast. Dupree's been a beast. Orchard's been a beast. Landry's been a beast. I think their defensive front has been sensational.
0: I think you've got to read again. Look, I think you've got to read into the yardage the total yardage per game stat with a pinch of salt. I think the secondary is is a we- the, the cornerbacks are a weaker link. Yeah. But I think there's you can't argue that Bayard and Hooker are two of the best in the
1: business. No, they are, but I think their run their run defense has been their staple this season. That's what they've kind of built around on defense. Mm. Whereas in terms of passing games, that's where they've tended to be weaker. Going up against. So those you teams think to... that
0: you think that's gonna favorably match? So up. I think
1: that'll favorably match up against Cincinnati Bengals. I think that's the one favorable matchup we have. If Joe Barrow manages to get time. Because the only issue is, is I think that our pass protections obviously been one of the weaker aspects this season. And what the Titans do very, very well is bring the pressure without blitzing. And that's when Joe Burrow does struggle because he's actually very, very good against the blitz. But when you mm. manage to orchestrate pressure without blitzing, with just that front four creating that pressure, which they've been excellent at all season from a Titans perspective, that's where I think Joe Burrow can be caused some problems. And that's when he tended to throw more interceptions earlier in the season is when he saw those kinds of looks. But at the same time, like I do think this cornerback group without generous Jenkins, especially Mm. is going to struggle against a wide receiving core that is as strong as, as the Bengals have in T Higgins, Mm. Jamar chase and Tyler Boyd. I think that is going to be, I mean, there's no chance that we're going to be able to run the ball on the Titans team with what we've seen from, first of all, the Bengals offense, since we've kind of gone to the let Joe cook, Angle. I kind of view it the same way the Seahawks. Do you know the, where, where it feels like the Seahawks can either only run the ball or pass the ball? Yeah, that yeah, seemingly yeah. is what the Bengals have kind of trended into that direction. I mean, Mixon hasn't had over 90 yards rushing in the past six games. Mm. And that is a concern going up against such a strong run defence. So this game is going to be solely on the shoulders of Joe Burrow. But I don't think mm. there's anywhere else that Cincinnati Bengals fans would want it to be. So
0: what about up front? And like Year on year, the line was a massive problem last year and and obviously very significant in, in why Borough got taken down. It's by far the finished article, but have you seen significant improvement year on year with the offensive line? Gradual, little bit, pretty much the same. Where are you on, the, on your line? And I take your point the battle up front is edging Titans because they seem to have roughed up better offensive lines. But where are you on the progress
1: that unit's made? I think it's made... Decent progress, but not enough to necessarily put it into a, a group of units where you would consider them sort of like in the top tier, where they should be like a playoff. Team, not like the Bucks, obviously, if they're completely fit. The amazing thing about the Titans now just get this point in there quickly is, you know, this mm. they've had they've used more players than any team in the history of the NFL this year through it, injury. What's
0: like a hundred ninety-one
1: or something 91. like that? And this is the this yeah, is the healthiest yeah. they've yeah. been all season, so yeah. that is also something to fear going into this, and just another case for Mike Vrabel to be the coach of the year. But mm. yeah, so our pass protection has been okay. I mean, it's been massive. Did you get a call-up Paul
0: by the way? Did Vrabel mm. give you? Did Vrabel give you a nod on the practice squad?
1: Uh, no, he didn't, sadly, which I'm a bit gutted about because. I was looking forward to being his kicker, but at the same time, oh, you'd be time, kick, going yeah, kick kicker. Yeah, I'd be kicker because he's got Randy Bullock, who oh, I think yeah. is really critical going into this game. It's the Randy Bullock revenge game. That's a narrative <laughs> that I was talking about.
0: Why is no one going?
1: Over? I have no idea. But no, I think <laughs> the Randy <laughs> Bullock revenge game. The one thing the pass protection has been massively boosted by the fact that Jonah Williams, our first round pick from a couple of years ago, mm. has been fully fit all season or pretty much all season. That's the first time in his career. And I think that Quinton Spain at left guard has actually performed very well and he's kind of been on a one-year prove-it deal. But at the same time, like it still is going to struggle against top-tier pass-pressure units. I mean, we've done well against the Steelers, and I think it will come down to more Joe Burrow and how quickly his receivers can get open, more so than how well this team can provide protection to him but as you said during the Raiders game Joe Burrow had a lot of time during that game and there are a lot of time yeah well, yeah I
0: mean I thought they played the given that, you know obviously everybody was keying and we were talking about it naturally well let's see what kind of damage Crosby can wreak and havoc he can wreak and I think they they held pretty firm um so yeah I think that was encouraging definitely because it was by no means a vanilla Raiders front certainly so, no. so okay so on the Titans offensive side of the ball. How much do you think we're going to see from Derek Henry this week? Because he's in practice. They're being quite guarded about exactly how much action he's having, but it seems limited. So is this narrative getting a little bit overblown that this is the return of Henry right in time for the divisional round and he's going to run for 175. I don't think he's going to get that many carries.
1: No, I would tend to agree with you. I think also what they've seen from Don Foreman throughout Henry's absence has proved them they don't necessarily need to rely on Derek Henry as much as they probably did earlier in the season. Foreman can replicate that. I mean, we said it last week, they've had the same amount of rushing yards whilst Henry's been out with Foreman and Hillard, but obviously they haven't had the same amount of big plays, which could be critical Mm. in the playoffs, especially. And I think that's what the Titans will look to do is try and get Henry in there as much as they can to give them the best opportunity for having one of those explosive big plays that he is so great at creating. I think, The bigger thing for me is the fact that he's got AJ Brown and Julio Jones. As we said, this Titans team is as fit as they've been all season. And we're talking about a number one seed here. The Titans are 7-1 in games where both Jones and Brown have played. And those include wins over the Rams, Bills, 49ers and Chiefs. So four teams left in the playoffs. So those can't get underestimated. I think Tannehill has actually been playing better in recent recent weeks. Mm. He's had a QB rating of 100 plus over the past three games. And I think obviously what you get with Derrick Henry being on the field more is you get the Cincinnati Bengals having to load the box and kind Mm. of sell out on the run to try and stop Derrick Henry and disable that big play. And I think that is going to open up play action. That's going to open up A.J. Brown, Julio Jones to get more space. And A.J. Brown is the king. If Jamal Chase is the prince, A.J. Brown is the king to yards after catch. So I think that spells... Not a good sign for the Cincinnati Bengals coming into this game. So, although I think they're quite good they... at stopping the run, I think the yeah. passing game will open up after that, and that's where we'll struggle.
0: Yeah, which is very much their ammo, of course. But here's something that uh, will uh, warm your heart, Ollie Thornton. Looking into the the battle in the trenches in the matchup there and, and PFF and looking at their gradings, right? Uh, and the Titans are middle of the pack. I think they're probably just below that in terms of where PFF see them. Uh, but Quest and they're tackle is one of the well certainly the highest rated uh, graded in, in, in their unit right but they were using him to em- the, uh, the the piece on PFF was using him to emphasize that they are much stronger with the run and, and as a result the unit as a whole since Henry has gone down although you're seeing similar-ish production uh, on face value from Dante Gorman mm-hmm. that the the overall level has dropped it in terms of the capability of the, the line, irrespective of Henry fit, not how much he factors, how much of a drop off and the big game, uh, the big play factor is the key with Henry. You might look at it and think, well, actually they haven't really lost a huge amount. The example I always give is when Lev Bell went down a few years back for the Steelers and Connor came in and actually we thought, well, that's going to derail the, the Steelers offense completely. And Connor turned out to be a pretty good understudy, but what you were missing in both instances was the X factor that Lev Bell mm-hmm. in, in, in that instance gave the, the Steelers and obviously Henry, where he can be grinding 3.1, 2.8 to carry for three and a half quarters, and then bam, and particularly towards the end of a game, smash you up for a 64-yard break uh, out run, right? And so the the line back to back to the line, pass protection is where the problem is. PFF contend, mm-hmm. right? And Questenberry is used as the example. So they have ranked him, as I say, top guy in the unit. Uh, and this was uh, going into, I think, week 15, week 16, the article was written, so this might have even uh, worsened. Nine sacks surrendered, 10 more knockdowns. This is Questonbury, right? So to unwrap that a little bit, you can get to Tannehill, I think. I reckon that there is a strong argument to say the Bengals front is going to be able to put him under pressure. And I think that can negate, if they do manage to set up the play actions effectively, I think they can negate it. I quite like the Bengals in that matchup.
1: Yeah, no, I think that is definitely an area, and especially if Trey Hendrickson plays, which looks like right. he will do, that is where that is going to be key. Our pressure rate against the Raiders dropped by 35% when Trey Hendrickson went off the field it it. last week. Yeah, nuts, it was yeah. absolutely ridiculous What, how critical he is to our team. So getting him back is going to be massive. No, I agree. I do think that is one area where we could exploit this Titans team. But at the same time, my fear going into this game largely is just how successful this Titans team has been going up against some of the best pass rushing teams in the league so far. I mean, there's no Mm. team that's brought more pressure over the past five, six weeks than the San Francisco 49ers. And the Titans really stunted that when they played against them a couple of weeks ago. They managed to beat the LA Rams in in recent weeks. The Indianapolis Colts are excellent to bring pressure as well from the defensive front standpoint. So that Mm. is my fear is this team seems to be so well coached and so well-organized and especially off a of bye week Mike Variable has gone 8-0 and off a of, off of bye week or when mm. he's had um, a week's rest. So looking into all of those things, as much as I, there are signs of positivity for the Cincinnati Bengals going into this, I do still think the Titans are probably the most underappreciated and underestimated number one seed that I can remember. And I think people forget that although, as you said, they don't necessarily have many household names, they are such a solid team in all aspects, and they are so well prepared going into every game that I I struggle to go into it with as much confidence as so a lot of Cincinnati Bengals fans are because of yeah. it, Joe Burrow and what we've seen, and it's that kind of thing. Once you get the monkey off the back, usually you can kind of flourish. And now we've won one playoff game. The sky is the limit. But at the I same, time... I think that's part, important.
0: I think I think I think just getting through that. Okay, I will use a, a I think a, a really uh, I would say prescient and very appropriate uh, example from my life that I'm sure maybe Mike Vrabel is, is mentioning, uh, sorry, maybe Zach Taylor is mentioning this to the, the Bengals locker room this, this week. Right. I mean, by all means, I know Zach listens to edge rush. So he yeah. Zach, Zach well, I, hope he,
1: I really hope he doesn't actually <laughs> consider what i said about yeah. it. Yeah. Ollie takes it all back. Uh, okay.
0: If Zach, if you want to use it on uh on the weekend then by all means feel free to use this in pre-game or even half time if the game's going against you but i i found that back in the day when i started out all as you know and i, I think some of our listeners know i started out as a stand-up and, and did that circuit for four or five years right before i moved into broadcasting and what you find doing that and i suppose this is true with broadcasting as well actually if i take the wembley games or you know the london games as, as, as an example or you know whatever, really whatever uh whatever you do the first time you do it it even if you're by that stage quite experienced and quite together and you have confidence, the first time you play a room and, you know, stand up, like the first time you do, and a big game, a big pressure, the like first time I did the comedy store, right. You know, first time we did a big room, it, even if you have all the swagger in the world going into it, it is altogether different. The second time, you're just much more comfortable with your bearings, the situation. And, and that is just human nature. It doesn't matter how well a team is playing. This is where I think the experience factor is huge, and the getting through that game, as you said earlier, eh, wasn't flawless. Hits and misses, red zone issues. But they got the job done. They got the win. I think that is for this particular Bengals setup, which is young, aggressive. Let we can take the world. I think that's massive. I think they're going to come in swinging in this game.
1: Yeah, I think they have the opportunity to come in swinging. I think we'll be able to put up points. I think Joe Burrow is going to put up points. I think he's going to be able to utilize these receivers. I think T. Higgins could have a big game. I think Jamal Chase can have a big game. And I think they might, if they can't get the run game going, start utilizing Mixon more in the passing game as well. But this is a Tennessee Titans team. Speaking of experience now, that has ended the Brady era in New England, Mm. has won playoff games yeah, frequently over the past couple of seasons and especially in yeah. circumstances where they are, aren't are expected to achieve much. Yeah. I think that experience is going to prove costly. Shane Vereen said on the show earlier this week, I think that experience is going to prove costly for the Cincinnati Bengals because... The, what the Tennessee Titans do absolutely brilliantly, which the Raiders and we saw the Cowboys do absolutely terrible this weekend is situational football. Mm. The Titans, if they get a lead, they know how to ground, grind a lead out. And if they go down, they also have the capability to go to their elite receivers in Julio Jones and AJ Brown. There's very much, if you don't expect anything, you can't be disappointed in that. And there is a little element Ooh, of that love going that. into this.
0: I put that on an Ollie mug. So that's the, <laughs> what, what, which show are we doing with the commentator? Start, or was it Shane that said if the,
1: Lights are shining bright. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah um, he said, when the lights are bright, the stars will shine. stars are And I a massive edge rush fan.
0: Trademark, thought Thornton. Hey, yeah, listen, exactly. I know we've got to do other games and we've got to pick this one. So, but just, I just wanted to come back to the point I made earlier. Because um, I knew uh, something was rattling around in my head. And I, uh, as you know, when you're talking, I'm just completely switched switch off. And yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Uh so I was just digging out this this stat I was looking for uh at the time and look I'm not trying to labor the point the, we know that the uh the secondary it was let's be this is the issue I have actually with this Titans the knock on the Titans the secondary is about the cornerbacks a week right it's yes. not the, not the entire secondary and and I do think at times you have to take passing yards per game with a pinch of salt for obvious reasons this was the this was the thing I was I was reaching for uh, and I dug it out so through the Titans first 6 games they were uh, they were terrible right uh, against the pass they are allowing sh- just shot 300 yards a game quarterback ratings over 100 on average a 12 to 4 touchdown to interception mark the last 7 games of the season entering week 18 Tennessee's opponents averaged just 171.6 a 3 to 7 touchdown to interception and a 72 Quarterback rating. Now you're going to tell me. Look at the quarterback Look the at the teams. <laughs> right, look okay. at the
1: teams they're playing against. They only beat what's in front of you. A problem. Yeah, guy. I know. I understand that. But and I know that's part... a lot to
0: do with the front. I get. I get that. It's not yeah. because they've got some. They played
1: the Texans twice. Hey, Davis Mills, is, Davis, Davis, Davis Mills and Davis Mills is underrated. Yeah. Yeah, and, I... and Davis Mills still in the last one through for 300 yards and three touchdowns.
0: Okay, I, I get it. I'm not, like I so said, I don't want to labour the point, but I'm not sure that it's as clear-cut as this secondary. I just was, I want to give props to Kevin Byard. That's all I want to do.
1: Yeah, no, Kevin <laughs> okay. Byard is an incredible player. That is true, as you said. I East. think the problem is, is their cornerback group, especially if they don't have Janoris Jen- Jenkins, yeah. is is the weakness in this team. And that's where they have struggled as defending wide receivers. And when yeah. you're going up against the Cincinnati Bengals, when everyone knows they, that's their strength, is the wide receiving core, that is a bad matchup. And I think realistically now, going into this, that is why I believe that this game, and because I would say I'm leaning towards just with my head on, just completely my sharp head on, whatever you want to call it, I would be leaning <laughs> Titans. Yeah. yeah, but I'm never going to bet the Titans in this situation. You, can't, can't you got to take it away. You can't. You can't it. There's absolutely no way. That's I'm bad do that. karma. That is yeah, bad. that's karma. really bad karma. Uh, and also, I don't want to bet against Joe Burrow. You should never no, bet against Joe no, Burrow. Guys, you
0: stay, are you going to stay away from the game? Is that no?
1: Is? I'm going to. I'm going to. Basically, due to the fact that I think the secondary is the, the part that the Bengals can exploit, I don't think they're going to be able to get anything going on the ground. So I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to chew clock. Yeah. Similarly, I think the Bengals might actually have some success in forcing the Titans to throw the ball also and stopping the run and taking away the threat that is Don Foreman and Derrick Henry. Yeah. I'm going over that. I'm going over 47. That's over 47. 47 and a half. Yeah. I think both teams are going to be able to put out points in this game. And mm. I think that. We will see an entertaining matchup mm. that may just be squeaked by the Titans because What's the of line? their experience in this situation. Is at three and a half currently. Three and a half. I. Uh,
0: by the way, a rapid pause uh, suggesting that even though Jenkins hasn't been practicing, the time of recording this, which is where are we, Thursday morning, uh, he should be okay. That's what I'm okay. recording. Uh, oh, I don't feel strongly about the soul. I'm looking forward to the game. Look, I love the Titans. You know, I've been Team Brable for. Donkey's years, and for all the reasons we said earlier, we don't need to repeat them. I think they are disrespected. So I would feel it is going against all of that in my head to back against them. But I love the Bengal shot. I think they've got a real shot here. I really do. I think they're gonna, I think Burrow's fearless. I think they can mix it up. I I think if I I am so torn on which way it c- I could conceivably go either way and I wouldn't be at all surprised. So the over might be the play here because I'm with you. I think there'll be points and that seems like a tasty number. I suppose the one thing, if you do want action on it, as we always say, I'll play the number and if it's three and a half, uh, it's kind of maybe tempting, yeah. maybe tempting to leave. Battles, but yeah, I think this is like a number of games this weekend. Very, very hard to call. And I maybe look at having some action as proposes on on the total as opposed to necessarily uh, with either team or covering the spread. All right. Where should we go next? Let's talk. Why don't we go San Francisco Green Bay next?
1: Uh, it's a tough one because we don't know if Jimmy G is going to play or not. I mean that's the issue and which is starting, why the line
0: is changing, right? So the line
1: is changing all the time. And I think we could see this line fluctuate, especially if we get the news about Jimmy G. I mean the line is currently at six. Um Green Bay are six-point favourites, which is very high for a divisional round, but you can understand it if there is a threat that Jimmy G isn't able to play. Well, it's Jimmy G, plus
0: a number of others. So Bosa, obviously, he was concussion protocol too, but they're it's expecting him to, him to play. Fred
1: Warner. Be fine. Be I fine? Think he's fine. He's looking, looking, he's trending in the right direction. All of Elijah their Mitchell. injuries seem to be trending in the right seems, direction.
0: So Jimmy G will play, because uh, he was listed as a full practice participant on Wednesday, right? So again, we're recording this Thursday morning. So... Jimmy G's double whammy as well, because he's, he's uh, that thumb injury still yeah, I was about, I was about <laughs> to
1: hand, hand it over to you, Nat. You can tell the whole world how difficult well, thumb injury is to recover from. Nat took a good huge. two and a half years off. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And the level of the Tuesday night Kennish Town uh, five-a-side league, uh, and of course the the Sunday game, my regular Sunday game, which you played him proper a couple I did of weeks play back. In that game. Proper. Can I paint the picture for your listeners? He is... I would say, I would compare him, you know, the Rio Ferdinand, Bobby Moore, kind of <laughs> <laughs> stylish, playing out from the back with confidence. I mean, he's quite Declan Rice. you're quite Declan Rice, I'd say. I've got
1: to say I'll it. definitely take that every single day of the week, to be honest. Yeah, though, sadly, maybe Declan Rice playing the ball, but the mobility of yeah. Bobby Moore now.
0: <laughs> limited, limited mobility, but that doesn't matter. You still were bossing it proper. It was good to play with it. And so, yeah, you, you I know all about these these tricky hand injuries, the The line then has moved to six. Is that right? The timer line goes. has
1: moved to six. I reckon if Jimmy G's out for this game, it goes up to sort of eight and a half, nine. Oh, I mean, you're yes. not you're not backing a rookie quarterback in Lambeau in the playoff game, are you? Realistically, I don't think I think, think anyone, they're going
0: to start but, him. Though. I think they'll start Garoppolo, won't they? I
1: think they'll start Garoppolo, but it's not, it's going to be, it's not a good... Outcome for the San Francisco 49ers team, who some would argue have the most momentum going into this weekend out of all teams in the NFL right now, off the back of beating the Rams and the Cowboys Mm. in their backyards, two of the better teams in the NFC. I think everyone would admit admit that and also doing it in style as well, doing it with Jimmy G, making some big time plays, their defensive side of the ball, making some huge plays. And also they match up against this Green Bay team well, because Mm. the one thing the Green Bay Packers can't do very well stop the run. And the San Francisco 49ers, they've been a top 10 run team all season long. And you know that that's Kyle Shanahan's specialty. We've seen it. We saw it in the NFC Championship game two years ago. They absolutely destroyed the Green Bay Packers Mm. with the run game. And you know, the 49ers are going to try and do the same this week. But at the same time, if you can't, if you have to sell out on the pass and you have to go completely onto the run game because you've got Trey Lance there, that is not going to be I don't think that's going to be successful against a Green Bay Packers team, which has won this season and been the number one seed without two of their best players on their team, in David and David Bakhtiari and Jar Alexander.
0: Yeah, that they're obviously both huge back for back for the pack. And Randall Cobb, don't forget. So I've got a sneaky. Can I sneak in a prop bet this week? Yeah, you you could help me because you are the prop king, uh, uh, the uh, prop king of Plumpton. But I I think Randall Cobb, who's been out for seven or eight weeks. I think Randall Cobb, I don't know if he's necessarily going to get a score, though he has had five touchdowns on the season. Yeah,
1: I, I'm, I, I like that. I like that. Anytime you score
0: Randall, he'll go, Rogers will go to, his, particularly if the, if the Packers are, I, I think it's doubtful to say they're going to dominate. Unless, yeah, maybe they will. Maybe if, if this could be given how brilliant the 49ers were. And I hold my hands up and say, I, I mean, that was a head scratcher. And we covered this in depth with, uh, with uh, I and Mike and Shane earlier on in the week, but how off the the Cowboys were offensively in particular they just did not look like they were the races at all for much of that game and uh, and the 49ers manhandled them for for most of it so it was mightily impressive and I hold my hands up to say I called that all wrong but I am not convinced here and the Garoppolo factor is key I I'm interested to see what they do with Trey Lance if Garoppolo starts and is playing whether they still use Lance because they used Lance earlier in the season, of course, against in goal line situations against the pack. Right. And I think, I wonder if that irrespective of whether he has to come in and hold the fort and run the game because Garoppolo can't go or whether they will mix up that pinch hitting uh, duality a little bit more uh, in, 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 situations. Uh, I think that could be interesting, you know, as the, the Raiders are want to do with, with Cara Mariota and uh, similarly uh, other, other uh, teams are, Trending in, in that kind of style of doubling down, as opposed to necessarily looking at this as well. It's either Garoppolo, or if he's totally banged up, it's Lance. Lance as well. I wonder. I was reading some analysis on how he's much more effective on the ground, improvising. You know, when a play breaks down, and he just has to make something happen, as opposed to the design runs. So that's where he can really they, he can really make some hay there. And I think to your point, against this pack is uh, unit that that is a weaker link for them that could be very interesting as well. I think they, he could maybe uh, get some traction there. So joining those points up, I wonder if it will, ir- irrespective of it's a binary decision of, look, if Garoppolo is totally knackered, then he's obviously not going to go. But I think they will try and start him. But I wonder if they will reduce his looks and incorporate Lance into the offense far more anyway. I think that could be the, the, the compromise or the, the middle ground that they go for. I... I like the Packers a lot in this matchup, I've got to say. And if it stays under a touchdown, I think that is that is that is a decent look. I think the number is key. And I where do you, where do you sit on for both the Packers and the Titans, for that matter, on the on the bye week this year? How much of an advantage the first round
1: bye is that? Do you think? So you have to look at them in context and how specifically each team has benefited or lost out on because of that bye week. And I think if you look both at the Titans and the Packers, as we said. Earlier, the Titans are the healthiest they've been all season. And when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, they've had an extra week to get Jared Alexander Healthy and he is obviously one of the best cornerbacks in the league. They've got an extra week to get David Bakhtiari healthy. Going up against one of the best defensive fronts and one of the best teams of bringing quarterback pressure in the league. I don't think you can underestimate how significant that is. Getting giving them one extra week, you're going to get Zedaria Mm. Smith back. You're going to get Whitney Merciless back. And Mm. when you're getting healthier as a result of the bye week, and you're giving these players more opportunity to get back to their best, then I Mm. think you'd have to look at both examples in terms of the Green Bay Packers this season and the Tennessee Titans this season as massively benefiting from the bye week, especially when you go up against the Niners team, which is coming off of having Bosa going out injured in the game before, Fred Warner going out injured in the game before, Jimmy G, so almost capitulating as a result of getting injured in the middle of that game. Mm. But you made a great point there, Nat, about the utilisation of Trey Lance in this game irrespective of whether or not Garoppolo starts. And that is when Green Bay load the box and sell out on the run. That's when they're really good at actually stopping it, but it's when they expect the pass or they can't load the box. That's when they are really suspect. I think they average like nine yards per carry um, in terms of allowing that to happen. So if they do put Trey Lance in there, that's when I think you'll see much more exploitation of this run game because yeah. they can kind of go out there with three wide receivers yeah. They still utilise Trey Lance in the run game. And I think that could cause Green Bay a lot of problems. At the same time, I do like Green Bay similarly to you. I just think this is a lot of points for a divisional round game. And I think mm. that people might be over, over overestimating how much of an impact Jimmy G's injury will have. If they do get him back, I think that, Six points might be quite a lot, especially for a team that may cause the Packers problems offensively. Like one area where also this is a little hint on my prop bets coming on later. Green Bay are not very good at stopping tight ends. So I think George Kittle might have a big game in Um, In terms of passing, I mean, they basically just utilised them to block against the Cowboys to kind of prevent that Dallas elite pass rush to have any success. And he managed to do that very successfully. I think he only got hit once. That's another area where the 49ers are really strong. This offensive line has been absolutely tremendous all season long. Trent Williams Mm -hmm. is an absolute beast. Jimmy G was only hit once against the Dallas Cowboys pass rush, which you could argue is superior to this Green Bay's. So even if Jimmy G is injured, he still should have a lot of time throwing the ball. And San Francisco ranked number one in yards after the catch. I don't think you can take anything away from Debo Samuel. He is an absolute phenom. He is one of the best, if not the best gadget player in this league. And I have no doubt that Carl Shanahan will have things planned for Debo Samuel in this game to cause this Green Bay Packers defense a lot of problems. I think it's going to be an incredible game to see. I can't wait. The one person, though, that I will be backing to the hill, and as Mm -hmm. much as I may be tempted to stay away from the six points, just because I think that's a lot for a divisional round game, Green Bay money line every single day of the week. Aaron Rodgers' season, I don't think you can praise him enough. The last seven games, 20 touchdowns, no interceptions. On the season, 37 touchdowns, four interceptions. They've scored 30-plus in six of the last seven games. This Packers team is an absolute points machine. Aaron Rodgers is an absolute points machine. Whatever he says off the field doesn't matter when it comes to game time on Sunday. And I think that he has got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to make it to the Super Bowl this season. He wants to win the Super Bowl this season. He said earlier this week in his press conference, he said, as much as I'm very much proud of everything I've achieved this season, everything his team's achieved this season, he is very aware how Super Bowl wins will ultimately be critical in defining his legacy. And I think he sees this as one of his best opportunities, if not best opportunity that he's had in recent years. And I think that Green Bay definitely going to win this game.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. And I'm, you know, concerned that i packed heavily against the 49ers and uh underestimated them look i wasn't suggesting that i didn't think they were a good side but i i thought the cowboys would would be far more competitive but this for all the reasons we said and and more is a different proposition i'm with i'm with the pack i'm with the pack with the points if it stays under seven i'm taking that and that is one of my stronger bets that we
1: can i have to say let's talk bill's chiefs uh actually sorry just to jump back what's the total in that one Total is 47 and a half. I'll probably just be steering clear of that for now, especially because we don't know what Jimmy G is going to be able to do. If the San Francisco 49ers are just going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, then I think that total might become a little bit tasty. I'm not sure. I haven't actually got a lean towards either side of it. I think sharp money's been coming in on the over, but I'm scared now. I'm scared now this week because I seem to be liking a lot of overs. And that is...
0: Oh, for the unders king of Plumpton, that Yeah, is exactly.
1: And it, it's bizarre going into a week, which is renowned, divisional round is renowned for going under, especially well, when the public money comes in before the game. So yeah, I'm this, a little bit scared now.
0: This next one. Now, oh, you will be proud of me because ahead of Rush and as is probably very clear from uh, from the whole season uh Ollie is preparing for edge rush pretty much as soon as uh as Monday night football is done you know he is he is in i would say 20 22 hour days you know during the season just looking at data and spreadsheets and everything else me nah, not so much but the uh you'd be proud of me because I was looking at some of the sharps uh articles going into this there because mm. they and I'm surprised at the burgeoning amount of gambling content there is out there now it's opened my eyes and but following the money as you always say look at where the money's going versus necessarily the tickets that's always a good sign you can establish a trend for the chiefs bills a lot of money coming in on the under
1: i was reading a lot of money coming in on the under um there is reason for that is because on the road the Bills defense has been so strong this season mm. and about i think they average like 17 points and KC have been absolutely sensational defensively at home especially after their original weaknesses earlier in the season and i also think that we've seen duds from these offenses um in several instances this season mm. and they the sharps are coming in because everyone's going to believe that this game's going to have 80 points in it because yeah. of what we saw both teams part of both last up. week
0: 11 touchdowns apiece. piece so the the total is what right now 48 so the total is at
1: 50 so it was bet up to 55 and it's gone back down to 54 uh,
0: oh god it's still massive then what did i say 48 And okay so wow 54 and then the chiefs are favorites by what i'm gonna say two and a half
1: one and a half. It's got it. Money's been coming on Buffalo ever since this line opened at two and a half and now open it at two and down half. Two, one and a half.
0: Right. Okay. So, injury wise, key for the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards hilaire should be good to go. NFL.com are reporting. Tyreek as well. Uh, good. Full goes, full goes in practice. So, that yeah. looks encouraging. From Buffalo, they're pretty, they're pretty sorted injury wise, right? Mario Addison was. The only question limited at Wednesday's practice. Um, so both teams at this stage of proceedings, relatively speaking, fighting fit. We have talked at length, obviously, because I've been puffing my chest out about the Devon Singletary, <laughs> Devon Singletary situation, how developed this Bill's ground game has got. And it is the range, and this is the point that. Various reasons why it's important, and, and Shane Vareem is very eloquent uh, about it on our show earlier in the week, the threat of the run. You've got to believe that there is a serious uh, focus uh, and intent to run, and that changes defensive fronts and defensive looks against you, right? If, if that isn't clear, then it is a weakness, and that's the big difference. It's not that they obviously they were getting uh, uh, traction and they were prolific with the ground game because of Josh Allen. They always have been, or for the most part, have been with Josh Allen as their quarterback but this is why the different dimension is important it's not just that Allen isn't carrying it all on his shoulders which makes him more effective as a runner and i read a really good analogy there with um you know you'd apply the same principle with a returning dangerous receiver and the impact that has on the rest of the receiving core in terms of the attention that they get right and it's the same kind of thing where it's offsetting um the pressure because you're adding variation to the playbook because you're not just expecting this guy to do all of that so i really like the fact that they've got this dimension and timed it to perfection as far as this matchup is concerned because as we well know this is a weak link of the chiefs right so the the bills can can really exploit that what about the flip side of that how do you feel that this Kansas city offense the way it is has developed the season and we've got into it a lot on the show, the patience that Mahomes has had to demonstrate, the longer drives, the less explosive, wham, bam, thank you, man, plays. A commitment to the run as well, although that has been tempered by injury to, to Darrell Williams and, and Edward Soler. How do you feel this uh, offense is shaped up against, right now, the, the most informed defense in the league?
1: I think you have to have faith in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to be able to create enough to cause this Bills defense that has been uh, absolutely sensational all season problems to be able to keep this game competitive. Ultimately, I don't think this Chiefs defense is going to be able to stop much against this Buffalo Bills team. And I don't think you'll ever see a situation where... Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid simply get blown out, especially in a game as big as this one. Obviously, we saw that happen earlier in the season, but the Chiefs lost the turnover battle 4-0, and all of those turnovers were at critical points in that game where it could have led the game either way. And we also yeah. know that there is the capability for Josh Allen to turn over the ball. He's had 15 interceptions on the year, and Kansas City have 18 takeaways in their last eight games. So their defence is able to create those big plays. So I think when you go back and look at that game, that we saw earlier this season, that was a completely different Kansas City offence because they were really finding themselves this season. And I think it's safe to say that they found themselves now. And we've seen in big games this offence be able to produce. We saw it against the Bengals, although they lost, they still scored 31 points. When they needed to, they were able to put up points against the Broncos. When they needed to, it almost like they flicked a switch against the Steelers last week. They literally flicked a switch and then they were like, OK, now we're just going to absolutely annihilate you. And that's what they did. Patrick Mahomes, Through for three touchdowns in the space of eight minutes. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely brilliant to watch and like watching old school Kansas City Chiefs. And I think when you look at Mahomes' record since he came into the league, he's now seven and two in the playoffs with those two losses coming against Tom Brady. He is the only quarterback who's been able to beat Patrick Mahomes. And when it comes down to those critical moments, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have been able to produce time and time again. Yes, this Buffalo Bills team seems to be able to combat what the Chiefs can do. They're excellent against um, running backs in the backfield. So they're Mm. excellent against passing to running backs. And that's what they basically did all week against Steelers last week um, with Jarrett McKinnon. I think he went for what, 80 yards receiving last week. So the Bills will be able to combat that. Matt Milano, I think is one of the most underrated players in the league. He's linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. He has been incredible at stopping tight ends all season long and going up against Kelsey that is obviously a huge matchup and a huge upside for the Buffalo Bills going into this game. Mm. But the one area where I think the Bills will struggle, and I think his absence has been completely underappreciated for this Bills team is Tredavious White. Yeah, Tredavious White has been out since they played the Saints, I think it was seven weeks ago. And since that, since he went down, they played the Pats three times. Yeah, They played the Falcons. They played the Panthers. And they played the Jets. Mm. Four teams who you would say Have terrible Terrible passing offences mm-hmm. That was in a time where Carl Pitts was banged up For the Falcons And Russell Gage Was their number one wide receiver
0: Oh this is interesting So you're basically saying Because I That's a really great point I, The only
1: other team They did play Who had a decent passing attack Was Bucks Was the Bucks Yeah Brady managed to throw for 363 yards, two touchdowns, yeah. no interceptions, and the Bucs managed to put up over 30 points.
0: Because everybody is bigging this point up, and it's a great point you make, which is context. And, you know, maybe I fell into that trap with the Titans earlier because you look at these trends and say, look, forget the populist narrative and forget the surface-level numbers. This this unit is actually performing well in this respect. And you've obviously got to drill down to, to a degree. I hadn't actually taken into account just how vanilla the, the passing offences – against the Titans were and, and same principle here, because that is something that keeps getting spat out this week. Wow. Like, you know, this Bucks D is really holding up against the past despite that loss. And that is a great point. I are I am leading chiefs here. I like the chiefs. I know that everybody's on the bills bandwagon. I, I noticed that I love the thing that Diane Rossini, uh, Diana Rossini dropped from ESPN, of, uh, which is doing the rounds on social of Stefan Diggs on the field after the championship game and uh, the Chiefs celebrating and Diggs, the only bill there, and just standing watching the celebrations and I <laughs> love Stefan Diggs for that. And I get that this is, it's our time now. They're in terrific form. It was a brilliant all-round performance against the Patriots. I get it, I get it, I get it. But I've been rolling with the Chiefs a lot this season, supporting them when everybody was telling us they were done I think that's been vindicated and in the same way all that I felt the Patriots were a better side than people said but limited I felt the Chiefs will continue to progress this season and time it right for the playoffs and really flex in the playoffs and I think you can't really tell much in the Pittsburgh game for goodness sake, No, I think this is a moment where the Chiefs will emphasise the fact that they are champions and I like them to go through
1: And do you know what I love if that is the case now and mm. you know what actually is my Drew Lock of the Week? What is your Drew Lock of the Week? Even though what you said just before this with loads of sharps being on the under, mm. what I just said about Tredavious White being out mm. 41 yards per game average for Tyreek Hill in three career games versus the Bills with no touchdowns. But those were all when he was covered by mm. Tredavious White. I don't think they've got someone who can take Tyreek Hill out of this game. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: On the other side of the ball, against elite passing offenses, the Chiefs have struggled. 28 points allowed to the Chargers. 34 points and 446 passing yards against the the Bengals. And apart from that, I actually think their defense has been flattered by weaker opponents, such as the Steelers, as we saw last week. Ultimately, Nat, we have the two faces of AFC quarterbacking going up against each other. Joe Burrow will be there soon, don't worry about that. These teams rank top five in in the NFL in scoring and in points scored. This may be a square pick, Nat, but it is one I love. And one when I'm up at 3 a.m., On Monday morning, watching this game, even if there is a flicker of hope, I'll be happy going into this. But I think when you've got two absolute juggernauts of both quarterbacks and offenses going into this game and two defenses that I think people are slightly overrating in terms Mm -hmm. of passing attacks, Mm -hmm. I'm taking over 54 and a half. The under's
0: king of Plumpton doubling down on the overs. As the, the biggest Drew over of the, of the weekend. It
1: is the biggest over. It's a, a number that a lot of people are going to be scared of. Since it's gone down, 55 is a key number. So 54 and a half is huge, I think. And when it went down, or 54, that's what it's gone down to now. It is at 54. Since we saw it went down, the, the money actually has been coming in on the over. But I honestly just expect an absolute shootout. I think we've Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. Mm. As you said, I think Kansas City are going to demonstrate what they what they are and who they are. Mm. And what we've seen from them time and time again is in these circumstances, they've always been able to put up points. Patrick Mahomes has always been able to deliver, whether that's on the ground with his passing attack. I think Tyreek Hill is going to have a big game in this matchup. And on the other side of the ball, I don't think that this, although Rashad Fenton and Chadarius Ward have had decent seasons, I don't think they're going to be able to stop uh, Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, and this passing attack for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. And I think this is just going to be an absolute slugfest and just an absolute classic for everyone to remember.
0: I, I loved. it. I can't wait for it. And incidentally, not to discount, and Shane made the point on the show Monday, Arrowhead is going to be rocking. It is going to be rocking. And as he said, that is not a place you want to be when it's rocking. I. Cannot wait for it. I'm leaning Chiefs uh, on this one. Uh, And you go, do you have a strong feeling either way outside of the over? No, I
1: actually don't to be completely honest with you because I think this could be, I'm scared of this being that kind of coming of age, Mm. Josh Allen Mm -hmm. win. And also from I read a Bills beat writer basically write an article about how the whole off season for the Buffalo Bills was spent trying to work out ways that they can beat this Kansas yes, City Chiefs. Yes, sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. I mean it's absolutely viable. I, I cannot wait for Right, we have got to. We'll pick the last game uh, super quick because we're going to sneak in. Well, my Drew lock of the week, your prop bets, and the Acker of the week. So, Rams Bucks, big old problem for. The box, of course, is that yeah. banged up line that yeah. not just Tristan Wurfs, Ryan Jensen, and of course, Josh Wells, who is the backup tackle that came in for Wurfs. He got banged up as well, right? So they, they are in Stuck. And at the moment, as or the time of recording this, it's not looking great. So Jensen and Wirfs didn't practice during the walkthrough on Wednesday. And Josh Wells limited. Levante David's got a knock as well. They've got issues with the ground game. We we'll have to keep an eye on what's going to happen there with playoff Lenny and Ronald Jones too. Of course, both uh, both missing in uh, that straightforward win in the end against the Eagles. And that was where the Eagles had the most success. Of course, was limiting a uh, rather sorry getting penetration and cut through on that line and getting to Brady when uh, when Worths and Co went down. And so. That is not a position you want to be in when you're going up against this Rams front. And because of that all, I am liking the Rams quite a lot in
1: this game. I completely agree with you. Mm. I completely agree with you. And I would be, if you told me three weeks ago that I would be backing the Rams at shorter underdogs as plus three in this matchup, even without Godwin and Antonio Brown, Mm. I would have thought, that I had gone crazy. But the exact, the exact point that you just made, this offensive line is so critical. The fact that the Eagles were able to get to Brady so frequently in that game, despite the fact that the Bucks were dominating this team so much, is a massive concern going up against a Rams defense that is nothing but trending in the right direction and has seemingly gone from strength to strength week on week on week and has been absolutely brilliant, absolutely destroyed the Arizona Cardinals last week, absolutely annihilated his Cliff Rufus. Kingsbury offence. Kyler Murray, yeah. who has been brilliant all season, they made him look worse than ordinary. It was yeah. an absolute annihilation.
0: I think... They've got, you've, got, you've got obviously a couple of things with the Bucks. It was incredible how not so shouldn't be surprising at all because we know the, the MO of this Bucks defense, but I found it and it was a tough game for us to broadcast. Right. I found, but I found it incredible to watch just how impressive those backers were against the, the Philly run. I mean, just completely shut and muted that out. Uh, not just the Hertz factor and Hertz on the ground, but Sanders and everything just, there was nothing going at all. They were just swarming him in vintage Bucks D style. So that, I guess, is something to, to bear in mind here because, well, we've got Cam Akers now, say so the Rams and the Akers-Michelle tag team, and we haven't really been able to do that, and that's going to help us. And I'm not sure how much of that is, is going to be a factor per se. Uh, but the flip side of that, if we look at the Bucks' offense, as you've had outlined, short-stacked anyway, particularly if Fournette and or Jones aren't able to go. So Mike Evans, time for a big game. And Jalen Ramsey's just going to be on him the whole time. I can't wait for that matchup. But Ramsey, uh, I think, is going to... He's been a brilliant form all season long. I think is going to, if not completely eliminate Evans from the game, mute him and keep him in relative check. And I think given the problems that they have in terms of range for Brady, I think that's going to be a massive, massive issue. So I am Rams all the way on this. I'm actually liking the Rams' money line. I'm going to be that bold, but I will definitely be looking at plus three.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think even the betting trends seem to favor that argument. Mm. Hold on. McVeigh is 10 and four against the spread as a road dog, and the Rams have won both games. They played as underdogs this season. Also, as we have discussed off air, Nat, the Bucks a number two in pressure rate and they're one of the teams that blitzes the most this season Stafford is actually the number one quarterback in terms of pass rating against the blitz so that actually works out quite well for him and although this secondary I think has been also trending in the right direction in recent in recent weeks for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team again when you really break down and look at the teams they've played the only teams that Tampa have really played who I would say have a top 10 quarterback are the Cowboys who they played in the opening game of the season and they gave up 29 points. The Rams who they played in week three of the season and they gave up 34 points. And the other team is Josh Allen, who managed to despite putting up a dud in the first half put up 27 points and absolutely tear them apart in the second half when he once he found his feet in that game other than that they've been going up against obviously the falcons falcons the saints and the panthers as their divisional games they played the jets they played the giants they played washington they played the bears they played miami they've played philly twice they played new england they are also a team that has benefited massively off playing teams with weaker quarterbacks and weaker passing attacks mm-hmm. and i think that is where this team's going to get exploited in this game Stafford, obviously, we've seen him struggling in certain looks, and certain circumstances, especially in the latter half of the season. He has been throwing interceptions, and obviously the Bucs are good at creating turnovers. But at the same time, I thought the way that McVay handled that game against the Arizona Cardinals demonstrated yeah. that they don't necessarily need Stafford to throw for 350 Give yards d- d- every single game at- and throw Cooper Cup for 120. They can win by utilising the ground game. And where I think they can really exploit the Tampa Bay yeah. team is... Tampa Bay are terrible at defending the pass against running backs. And mm. I think Cam Akers being back, we saw some of the plays that he made last week. Right. I think Add that back to... be huge going into this game.
0: Yeah, yeah. As Carlson said on our show, Sony Michelle doesn't really offer that threat. Akers absolutely does, right? So great point. All right. Uh, uh, so that is my Drew Lock of the Week, goal The Rams Ram plus, plus three. three.
1: The Rams plus three. With you all the way. With you all the love way. That. So let's do the Zacker. Ira, can we get right. this. Everything's fresh in our mind. Let's work the Zacker out. So we're going to add Rams into it straight
0: Rams, up. Rams, Let's. The Rams are in there. Are we? Are we saying? Are we saying? Money a, line. A money line. Okay. Yeah, we're going money line. Let's
1: it. go in that. We both like it. So let's let's have it.
0: Okay. So Chiefs, are we both going? Or you don't, you're not sure about that, are you? So the Green Bay. Okay. Rams.
1: To be fair, Green Bay and the Rams would be over evens. Okay.
0: Love that Love that. So let's do that. Uh, right. Let's wrap with our with your prop bets of the week.
1: As always, there's going to be tight ends in there. You know me. Yeah. I'm always going to put tight ends in my prop bets. Is Jeff Swain in it.
0: Come on Jeff Swain.
1: Yeah, Jeff Swain's in there. Over
0: Yes. Yes, Jeff Swain. Jeff I did that, that.
1: bagels. I say it every week Bottom five worst teams against Titans. Now, nah, you followed me last week. You took the Darren Waller over receptions. I did. You loved it. It came through. We had a great time. Watching yes, on the did. radio, we had a party. It was great. That's, that's Do the, the same again this week. In. Jeff Swain, mm. but over 12 and a half receiving yards this time, because I think he might even just have one big play. But yes, Bengals bottom five worst teams against ends. We all know this. <laughs> Jeff Swain averaged over 13 yards a game during the season. And we know the Titans are going to go to play action, which the Bengals struggle against. So that should give Jeff Swain a lot of looks. Swain will also likely get a lot of opportunity against Cincinnati. So he should go over this number. My next one, sticking with the Titans now, George Kittle over 48 and a half receiving yards for the San Francisco 49ers. That is if Jimmy G plays. I will withdraw this pick if Trey Lance (laughs) plays. Okay, just going to say that out there now. Only one catch for Kittle last week, but he was actually just being used, as I've already said, primarily as a blocker. Yeah. Against this Dallas Cowboys pass rush. Um, so I'm just getting a phone call. Is that Jeff Swain? Yeah, that's Jeff Swain just calling me to make sure that I put him in. <laughs> yeah, my, you're in. It's in okay. Yeah, he doesn't mean stop bothering me. That's what he's um, most
0: worried about this week. <laughs> <yeah.
1: with> the- <laughs> Jeff Swain. Yeah. Um, the Packers struggle against tight ends as well. Mark Andrews had 136 yards for two touchdowns against them. Travis Kelsey had a touchdown for 68 yards against them. And the last time these two played, Kittle had seven catches for 92 yards. So give me the over on Kittle here, mm-hmm. only if Jimmy G plays. And the last one is Josh Allen score a touchdown. He has been incredible running the ball over the last six games, averaging 67.8 rush yards over that time span and had 59 plus a touchdown in week five versus the Chiefs. Kansas City ranks bottom 10 in defending quarterback runs and has allowed the most rushing TDs to them. So I expect Josh Allen to score a rushing touchdown in this game and to exploit this Kansas City weakness. And also, Nat, let's not forget, we saw what Drew Locke did to them in that final game of the season. I think Allen should be feeling confident going into this one.
0: I love it. Uh, I think, you know, you are missing Propos. Randall Cobb, anytime touchdown scorer, that's my <laughs> yeah, plot. we'll sprinkle that one in there three
1: to one, three to one as well. I actually do like, I actually really do like that as well. I think that's a great shout,
0: thanks, man. Randall Cobb, I'll be back in that and back in your prop bets. And uh, the other action that we've talked about, if you want to get involved, gang, with it, remember everything in moderation, keep it fun, don't get silly with it. Enjoy the football propo, cannot wait. Best, best weekend,
1: oh, 100, definitely the, the best year? weekend of NFL
0: action, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Looking forward to it. We're going to be locked in, as I'm sure you guys are, and we will be back next week. Are we do Monday with Iron Mike? I think we are, right? Monday afternoon. We are doing
1: Monday with Iron Mike this week. All the NFL actions is obviously done on Sunday night, so we'll be calling you guys in early for this one
0: yeah oh, great okay so uh lock it in there we've got um interesting guests next week as well special guests as we preview championship weekend lots more pods coming your way thick and fast as we've referenced a couple of times on the show back in the vault from this week shane Vereen, super bowl winner iron mike in vintage form so go and check those out if you haven't already go vote for us in the sports podcast awards best nfl show have you voted on
1: yeah of course i voted
0: have you used your algorithms and fifteen different computers you got set up preparing for Edge Rush to create some kind of vote hacking, vote rigging system? Yet? No,
1: but what I have done is physically intimidate people to force them to vote. Nice, love that, yeah. love that. <laughs> Let's continue to do that. Uh, it takes, I
0: reckon, about a minute. Uh, to that took me a minute, so it will take our Digi Smart listeners much less than that. Just got to hop onto the website. Put in your email to register. Vote for us. Doesn't matter about any other categories. Just, just yeah, the exactly. Of our just show. That's part. what we care about. So give us a shout. We're doing all right. Uh, we're in the top three in the voting at the moment. all. so we got to we got to kick on. We need to we need to bring out the vote.
1: I need to physically intimidate a lot more people. as Yeah, saying. you
0: go and get intimidating. Uh, and listeners, go and get voted. We'd appreciate that. Uh, incidentally, final thing. Shout out to everybody who's been leaving reviews on the different pod platforms we're on. I've seen some new ones go up on iTunes or Apple, I should say, in particular Apple Pods, which we massively. Appreciate, I really enjoy reading them. I'm really glad that you are enjoying the show as much as you are. There's a lot of Edge Rush love out there. Propo, there's Propo's got the fan a fan base rocking.
1: Yeah, I mean. I am really surprised about that. I was going to come out with something uh, completely different there and try and be sort of falsely arrogant, but no, I actually am quite surprised about that and I appreciate it. But even if you don't like us, just let us know. Believe five stars, but just mm. then criticize us in the comments. That's all. <laughs> that's all I care about is the it's comments. The five, star five stars. Be, yeah, it's that's the five all stars.
0: the algorithm cares about. Uh, I think we got to look at the merch in the off-season. That's something that we can get uh, get looking at. I think we get some merch with propos, propos. Uh, uh, taglines on there uh maybe some hoodies t-shirts i might
1: and- i'm just thinking about the tagline that you pointed out earlier where i said if you can't um if you don't expect anything you can't be disappointed i think i might have stolen that mm. from zendaya and spider-man <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think you did i think you did we were already talking about that film the other day I- <laughs> I think you have. But I think that's is like a, a tragic,
1: the- real tragic moment for me, I'd say. Probably one of my lowest points quoting uh, Zendaya in Spider Man. <laughs>
0: Plagiarized Zendaya in Spider Man is maybe the lowest of the low points. But if the lights are bright, I love the fact that I can't remember that one. If the lights are bright, then shine on. Oh, the- yeah. If the, light- <laughs> if
1: the lights are bright, the stars will shine. Shane really. actually owes me some money for that because uh, that is trademarked. If
0: the, yeah we've got to listen let's write this stuff down as we established a moment ago you've got a very short-term memory so we need to note them down but yeah we'll get on with all of that there's going to be a lot of stuff rolling in the off season but that is all to come we've got a super Bowl to sort out so we are right on it enjoy the weekend proper look after yourselves Thank you, my man sports social podcast network